It's like a maze, really, all these channels. We'll be careful not to get lost. Oh, no, we won't. No, and I'm determined not to go back until we discover something more definite. We only have one phenomenon and this mystery. Ball to open. Ball to open. Yes, and what do you do? One swipe of its paw would smash us to pieces. Don't relax. Here comes the drums. Oh, here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Hello, hello, and welcome once again to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch every single televised story of Doctor Who in entirely random order. My name's Chris Taylor. My name's Pete Paschal, and Chris and I are a couple of guys who have been doing this random journey throughout Doctor Who since long before the podcast existed. And we've decided to concentrate all of our thoughts on Doctor Who, our commentary, into audio form, and now video form, if you're watching us on YouTube. Indeed. Um, and uh, The universe demanded it. I tell it, you. It, <laughs> the randomizer demands it, and, and what the randomizer wants, the randomizer gets. And uh, previously on Pull to Open, the randomizer three episodes ago, or three journeys to random stories ago, took us to The Runaway Bride, uh, which, as you may have heard in our previous episode, was actually the reason for uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate and RTD to reunite for the 60th anniversary mm. special. Uh, two episodes ago, took us to Dalek, that fantastic uh chris eccleston episode uh that we love so much uh, that reintroduced the daleks uh or reintroduced a dalek and then last time we went to that uh matt smith story that maybe didn't remember happened the beast below aka the one with the whale and <laughs> that takes us to another one that I definitely wouldn't have watched if the randomizer hadn't taken us here. It is all the way back to season two of the original show, the first serial, Planet of Giants. Ooh, and yes. uh, yeah, big giants. Big giants. Um, not not one I'd actually, seen before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you go back <laughs> way further than than your your previously recap, if you go back to like last year. Uh, we did the sensorites. We did. Right? That was our first hard null. And and oh no, it was our second. We did yeah, second. Time. We did the rescue. We, we did the rescue, and then then I think we did the sensorites. Right, but, right. Yeah, yeah. But this comes immediately after the sensorites. Yes. Uh two, two after. I thought it did mm -hmm. too, and then I realized the reign of terror actually closes out. Oh right. In terms of available stories. Available yeah, stories yeah. on Britbox currently. Uh, yeah, it comes exactly. immediately after. But yeah, so, yeah. We're on the yeah. planet, the planet of giants, which, spoiler alert, is Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, thanks. Now I don't know. I did watch it. Yeah, um, yeah that's it, it's the it's, first return to Earth after an, an unearthly child yeah, took us seemingly, away. Seemingly contemporary Earth. This is mm -hmm. also the first. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I checked the episode guide in the codex. It's the only three episode of the entire classic series. That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. And it's kind of interesting because we're basically we're, we're being told, as as we mentioned in our special episode, that the um, the anniversary special 
uh, is, of course, that, that we're getting three specials, and they seem to be tying together to tell a story. So here is the randomizer celebrating the three-episode story uh, <laughs> in advance of the special. So once again, the randomizer ahead of the curve. Ah, impressive. Wow. It's very numerically consistent. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we're going to get to it. Uh, all the giant stuff, all the planet stuff. But first, let's go into the pull to open feedback loop, which, of course, always starts with reviews. So, guys, if you have not left one of those things, one of those reviews, you have not joined the privileged, privileged class of pull to open <laughs> listeners who get their reviews read out on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, you need to leave one to hear one, I guess, is the the takeaway from that. So I would love to read your <laughs> review. You've got to leave it. you got to go to the Apple Podcast Store or whatever service you're on, and assuming it can take reviews. Not many can. But if it can, leave, please leave a review. It really will help the show because the more reviews a podcast gets, the more visibility it will have when people search for, say, Doctor Who Podcast in their uh, podcast app. So Indeed. And also, and to make it more fun, leave an emoji review, which is yes. what our fans have been doing. And they've been stumping us with it. So you have that delight. So a couple things. Um, yes, this has become our default way for people to leave us emoji titles. That is Doctor Who episode titles in the style of emojis, which mm. we can now report are in our codex. So the pull to open codex, Huzzah. which powers our randomizer, has had an upgrade recently. And all the emoji reviews we've gotten in so far are now on those line items. So go ahead, check the show notes, go click over, have a look. Um, so if you leave an emoji review or emoji title, you will get immediately to taken to thrown into the codex. So uh, more incentive to do so. And someone has done so. Yes. I'd love to read that out here. Oh my God! Are you are you going to tease me again? We we had this as our segment before the Beast Below, uh, <laughs> in which uh, Pete read out the emoji reviews. I I was stumped by the Macro Terra, uh, but then I got a Trial of the Time Lord. Were we was I correct yeah. on Trial of the Time Lord? Yes, I, I think you were. Yes, mm. uh, you, you you definitely nailed that one. I mean, you made up for your your loss. I mean, the macro, come on, the Yeah, you, you had Perhaps, to lead macro. me. Macro, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Macro Terra, uh, yeah, that, the, the connection between Macro and Crabs, not necessarily the first thing that comes I'm to sure mind. It's a lost episode. I don't know if they ever animated it, though. Mm. I don't think they mm. did. Mm. Uh, and then the, the second one was Remembrance of the Dalek. You really had to uh, lead me to water on that one. You really had to uh, get a thinking emoji <laughs> to get the thinking emoji in that title, yes. But you got Trial of the Time Lord, so Chris... Are you ready? Do you feel good? <laughs> Do you feel like you've worked that emoji brain that you can get this? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's only one. Okay. All right. All right. Bring it on. Bring it so on. First, I want to thank Father Time Lord for leaving this review and as mm. well as the five stars. Thank you so yeah. much. Good uh, name. Someone from the United States. That's all the demographic information I have. It on, It's only a title. So here we go. Four emojis. First oh, emoji. God. Plunger. Dalek. Second emoji. Octopus. Uh, inside the Dalek. Third emoji, takeout container. <laughs> yeah. It, emoji, yeah. skyline. Ooh, takeout container. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is it, uh, the, the first two make me think of in, Into the Dalek. Um, well, you got the plunger and the octopus, which I think together make Dalek, right? Make, make Dalek, yeah, that's one way of saying Dalek. Uh, the takeout container, the 
the the takeout night of the Daleks. Uh, the, <laughs> oh God, I'm just now thinking about food, like the Chinese the meal of the Daleks. party of the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> The overly MSG added food order of the Daleks. Um, God, I wow. Okay, you see, you there, there, come on. I know you got this. So you got Dalek. Yeah. Takeout container. Skyline. So city skyline. skyline. City skyline. Is it? Uh, okay. See, the trouble is, I can't automatically recall all of the Dalek names of episodes. Mm. Right. You know, obviously I've got Remembrance stuck in my head. I've got Day. I've got Death. I've got, mm. you know, uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Yeah, uh, can I give you a hint? Yeah. New Who. New Who. Okay. Is it? It's not Asylum of the Daleks. Uh, they don't get food in the sun. Skyline City. No. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, Into the Dalek was my best guess, and, and I'm just sort of stuck on that with the takeout right, so. container. Think of how many Dalek stories have the actual name of a city in the in the title. Oh, oh God! Oh, my head is totally going blank on that. Oh, I I don't know the 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 the, the London oh. vacation of the Daleks. The <laughs> well, this is also how many. Oh, I, I've already given you so many hints, and I know that the audience is like ah, but it's like. <laughs> How many Dalek I'm titles? I'm so sorry, everyone. So sorry. How many How many Dalek titles start with the word Dalek? Because this is in the correct order. Oh God, uh, Daleks take Manhattan! <laughs> oh my God, that is the, literally the first time I've had to think of Daleks take Manhattan uh, <laughs> since it actually aired. So I'm yeah, sure Father Time Lord uh, owes you an apology for that, and uh, we owe them thanks. Thank you very much, Father Time Lord. That was amazing. Really I love the it. idea of the Daleks taking Manhattan to go. It's like, yeah, could you could you just put that in a box, please? Could could we get a doggy bag? I always kind of figure that whenever I heard the expression "takes Manhattan," I, I that for some reason that's always been in my head. Maybe it's just me having been raised on superhero comics where that was a possibility that someone could actually take the island of Manhattan and put it somewhere. Whenever I hear someone taking Manhattan, I just think of the literal act of doing that. It's I don't know why. I'm weird. Please back this island up for us. <laughs> we could not destroy it all. We will destroy it later at home. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Father Time Lord. Really appreciate it again. Oh, I'm so sorry, fans. Emoji title at your leisure. Yeah, if you too would like to stump me, and and uh, <laughs> if you would also like to scream the episode title at a podcast uh, while I am desperately making up Doctor Who story names, uh, then please leave us an emoji review. All righty. Uh, moving on in the feedback loop, YouTube is continuing to grow. We're at youtube.com slash pull to open. All of our social media short videos and our plot summaries are there. Our older episodes that we never cut to video are still coming most Wednesdays. And of course, the new stuff is coming Saturdays. Great comments all the time there. I know great comments on YouTube. What? I, I think YouTube was waiting for pull to open to be there before all the good commenters came out. Thanks so yeah. much, everyone for commenting, interacting with us there. Really love it. Keep it coming. But guys, the real story in the feedback loop this time is TikTok. We had what I can only call a Dalek boom on TikTok <laughs> since we did Dalek. And then we, we kind of knew we had a good episode there, not just of 
of the show, obviously, but of the, of the podcast. I mean, we really like, I mean, Dalek is such a legendary episode. It's a Viscount banger, uh, yeah. if there ever was one. And we really wanted to deliver like really thoughtful commentary and, and good stuff there. And I cut a lot of videos for that particular podcast. And uh, I got to thank the fans there on TikTok because we were rewarded with a, a large degree of virality. Many of the many of the videos just have have uh, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of views. Mm, so thanks so mm-hmm. much, everyone, for sharing those, watching them, commenting. We've had so many comments; it's been great, and we got a lot of new followers. We're at uh, well over eighty five hundred followers now. Uh, we're closing in on ten k again, uh, closing on nine k rather. But ten k is obviously the milestone that we're looking forward. Once we reach ten k, we're definitely going to do something special for you all. So. First, very heartfelt thanks to everyone on TikTok for following us there. And if you're not, we're at poll to open on TikTok, all one word. Go ahead and follow us there. Give us some comments. It's good stuff. Yeah, and we're closing in on uh, on 9,000 followers there. We've already said we were going to do something special for 10,000. Uh, so so come along That's and join the party. Join the party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, do we, do we regenerate our clothes? Uh, I, I don't know what happens. Um, but yeah, we'll do something. We'll do something. So Thank you. We have everyone. a bunch of comments on the Dalek videos, of course. I, I, there were just so many to choose from in terms of our TikTok comment of the week. But I've got a few here. Uh, I'll get through as many as I can before I feel like we're to, just stalling <laughs> for Planet of Giants because yes. I don't know who's doing TLDW this week. That would be you. Be. <laughs> um, but here we go. Here, I want to give uh, a few comments from the Dalek videos. Uh, their time in the sun. And the first one is from Wildman793. Wow. And it says, Someone like me whose first introduction to the concept as a whole it's very important that I understood what Dalek could do. Uh, such a great episode. And this mm. was on the video where we talk about the Dalek is a, just a normal Dalek. It's just a typical Dalek. It's not like special in any way. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, we, we, we said it was, that was an important aspect of this being not, you know, it's just shows a soldier yep. Dalek. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's a second comment which follows this, uh, which is sort of in the same vein. It's on the same video. It says, really shows what a time war area Dalek was capable of and was my first introduction to them. Always introduce Daleks to new people with this episode. And yeah, the, the, the yeah. time war aspect is interesting because, of course, it, it is. like Even for classic fans, it was like a, a reintroduction to Daleks and what Daleks had become during the time war. Like what the, they, It was almost like they'd evolved because of the time war and uh so it was it wasn't just like it wasn't like old fans were kind of rolling their eyes going yeah of course we know Daleks can do all this it was a twist for everyone so yeah that's an important point yeah and it's also like i think for to see the daleks uh sort of realized as they kind of always should have been to some extent it's this is a great jumping on point for new people to the show to get them to understand the show sort of its background and also to sort of like take this this villain seriously because if you mm. you know there's other other good examples of that in new who uh but i think none better than this one so uh unless you think that's kind of ruining the daleks for people because a <laughs> uh, high watermark i still think it's uh this guy's got a point this is a good, this is a good jumping on point for non-pants indeed and speaking of points we have a point about the daleks balls <laughs> So we cut another video about the Dalek uh, self-destruct mechanism that you see in Dalek where the balls come out and blow it up. 
Um, and this TikToker who is Sligly Fubgubbler, <laughs> I don't want to speculate, mm. uh, says the balls are shield generators. In that self-destruct scene, the balls aren't doing the blowing up, just contain the explosion. And I actually replied to this person, asked, well, why would it want to contain the explosion? And they reply, to ensure total destruction. If the explosion was not contained, energy would be wasted, much like simply burning gunpowder, but put it in a container. Well, and I, hmm. I like this explanation, I have to say. So it was to ensure Dalek suicide, basically? Um, yeah, so so they blow up, and it ensures, I think, that you don't have fragments of Dalek technology lying around that other races could, could mm. take and exploit, which actually makes a lot of sense. And it also gives me uh, the explanation that I was saying, which is that, well, why would you just walk around with a self-destruct mechanism just exposed to everyone all the time? And it's like, well, it it isn't that. It's the shields, and that explains the shields. You yeah. know that that you see that has it has essentially deflector shields that vaporize bullets and, and whatever else, but uh, it, it's kind of a neat uh, explanation. I like it. Until I hear a better one, I'm going with this. I mean, if if there is a self-destruct mechanism on Daleks, it's sort of weird that we haven't seen it before, right? And what we have seen before, time and time again, is the the Dalek casing just just left littered all over the landscape. True. Uh, so maybe my new headcanon is that this uh, this Dalek was uh, we knew we know from the normalization it was a very young Dalek. Uh, maybe it was more environmentally conscious. <laughs> and, <laughs> like it's one uh, of those activist Daleks. Totally. Yeah, he's just like yeah. I'm I'm just gonna you know no no must no fuss. I'm not gonna leave anything behind. I'm not going to uh, you know be be a burden yeah. uh, after after I'm gone. Um, but yeah, I mean all, all you can say is you know look look at the balls on that Dalek. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I can't top all. Look at the balls of that Dalek. Um, good stuff. Thank you all commenters. Wish we could have time for more because there are so many, but go ahead and check them out. Pull to open on TikTok. Of course, we are at pull to open 63 on other platforms, namely Instagram and Twitter. Uh, please follow us there as well. We're mm. also sharing videos. We're also interacting on Twitter uh, for as long as Twitter is with us. And uh, we'd love to hear <laughs> you on any of those yes. platforms, whether you want to give us an emoji title or not. Yeah, if you're listening to this far in the future, uh, Twitter was a platform uh, in which we sent <laughs> short messages to each other. Uh, then some guy decided he wanted to buy it. And uh, then, uh, yeah. Way overpaid for it, I will say. Way overpaid for it. And it's I'm sure it's a cautionary tale by the time you're listening to it. Mm. Um, but um, yes, we well, are a podcast. Lots of other things we could talk about. We did <laughs> talk about in our episode last week. So we mm. are going to, guys, you've planted a giants is the episode where we just it, cut right to it. That's right. I, I can hear you. I can hear the fans screaming, get to planet of giants because there's such a demand for this story, this famous <laughs> story. And Dr. Who, no, of course it's not. It is a, a very forgotten story uh we we may find out that that is um for a good reason um oh, if man. if oh. if you know of it you probably it. you probably know that it's the one with the sort of the outsized props uh you may have seen pictures of it um you know it might be memorable for that reason um, but yeah otherwise not really well known so it's sort of you know, this is what the randomizer does it takes us to every story in doctor who history <laughs> every single one even the forgotten 
episodes, uh, which the, the three episodes of Planet of the Giants certainly are. But we always start off with TLDW, Too Long Doctor Who, Too Long Didn't Watch. Um, uh, def- definitely both applicable in this instance, uh, where, wherein one of us attempts to summarize. Rating, okay? I'm like- so sorry. I'm so sorry. Open, open mind, open mind. I have a lot of good things to say about this. Um, but, uh, but we, we start off with 30 seconds per classic who episode to, to summarize and planet of the giants is, as we've mentioned, an unusual three-parter, the only three-parter of, of the classic series. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. So for the only time I believe in, in Paul to open history, Pete, since you're doing TLDW, you have a minute and a half. Wow. To summarize. <laughs> now, I, I'm prepared to to give you, if you feel like you need a little extra time, we could make this two minutes because it was actually shot as four episodes. <laughs> so I'm prepared to be generous if you feel like you need it. But how, how do you feel about this? I'm not sure I even need a minute 30, but maybe that's <laughs> really arrogant considering how I've done in previous uh TLDWs. No, I think I got this. Minute 30. Let's do minute 30. All right. All right. Well, then. Uh, are you ready, Seth? You, have you closed all your tabs? I'm kind of not, but I kind of am, as always. That's just <laughs> how you feel. Like I actually watched this episode further in the past than normal mm. um, because we had a bit of a bye week. And uh, we, were, we, we, we did our special regeneration episode as well as the last one we just did. Um, so I'm going to have to rack my brain to sort of remember the play-by-play, but it's pretty mm. straightforward. I mean... So, All right. Well, you're, you're, you're confident. I like your confidence. Quick let's, sip of water let's, and I'm ready. All right. Let's well, see let's if this. it's warranted as we begin the official pull to open summary of Planet of Giants in three, two, one, go. So the doctor is trying to get back to contemporary Earth because that's, again, where Ian and Barbara are from. Uh, but what happens? Oh, the doors to the, the ship, the TARDIS, open while they're in flight, which does something to bust the scanner. They can't see what's outside when they finally materialize. So they go outside and investigate. It's this weird, craggy sort of weird place. And they quickly find out, oh, my goodness, we've actually been shrunk because they see things like a giant earthworm and a giant bee. That's But the thing is, all these insects they're seeing are all dead. It's weird. Even the ants. 30 seconds. So they quickly find out that uh, that what's going on is there's this insecticide that's been deployed around this house, and the house actually belongs to a guy named Pharaoh who's developed. Uh, sorry, it belongs to a guy named Forrester. Uh, actually, I don't know who the house belongs to. It belongs to someone, but basically, they, they developed a uh, insecticide that kills all insect life, not just the bad insects. And so this is very bad. But a guy named Forrester, who is uh, helped fund develop developing it, uh, shoots the inspector a guy named Pharaoh, so he's committed murder and therefore the the doctor and all his companions uh who are shrunk uh try to do their best to uh get bring this person to justice because they figure this out even though barbara's threatened with a fly that dies almost instantly when it touches the insecticide but barbara touches the insecticide she's in trouble so they have to rush back to the ship and when the the tardis enlarges the the poison in her system is so small it doesn't affect her, so she's fine. Plus, a cop comes and to arrest the guy. <laughs> just about, just about, yeah. You uh, well done. 
First of all, uh, uh, it's done, done. Let's be honest, Chris. It's done. <laughs> I was a little too overconfident there. Um, what happened was it's kind of a great, I got tripped up on the house, which is dumb, a dumb detail to get mm. tripped up on. And the, um, it was kind of a grab bag of things that happened. Yes. But I think you can discern from the grab bag that most of the things that happened were pretty meh. Other they the were shrinky. the shrinky's kind of fun and the giant bugs are kind of fun so i can't i don't want to hate on this too much there's fun stuff in this one well should we we should mention uh, a couple of things you left out um the the cliffhangers and i think it's sort of telling that you that you left out the cliffhangers because they're so dumb right. they may in fact i i would suggest be the the dumbest cliffhangers in in doctor who history the first one is oh no it's a cat <laughs> Um, which sort of kind of takes us full circle in the classic series to survival, right? Uh, the cat people. Uh, but it, it just, you know, I couldn't look at that cat without thinking of the master at Bow the Doctor uh, saying, you know, oh, yeah. man's man experiment. Um, then, yeah. <laughs> but then the cliffhanger, di- you were going to say? The second cliffhanger is a guy washes his hands in a sink. And again, I know it sounds dumb. I, I you're, you're you're kind of kicking this one a little bit while it's down. I, I I admit, you know, like there's there's issues here, but those are those should be dangerous, right? Because mm. we we and again, if you if you put your brain in this in the minds of people who are shrunk, the whole idea is that everyday things become incredibly terrifying, like a fly yeah. sitting there could kill you. Uh, yeah. the bee could, the worm could. Uh, all of these things, the cats certainly, and I, I'll get to the cat in a bit. So I, I can't, I can't hate it for that. And if I, if I think about where this has been done right, if you've ever seen a Bug's Life, mm-hmm. and the way they depict birds in that movie as monsters, uh, but still clearly birds, um, that's yeah. kind of what they're going for here. So I get it. It's just when you're looking at it from a a lens of us here in 2022 looking at 1963 64 special effects um it's it's hard to get into it yeah you know it's, okay it's it's a, yeah. let me let me specify because I, I don't want to you know be be the professor hater too much here but um it it is uh, my, my issue is not necessarily the cliffhangers themselves it's the resolution of them yeah right so the resolution of the cat cliffhanger is uh, the, the the men of the TARDIS team tell the women of the TARDIS team not to look in the cat's eyes while they stare directly into the cat's eyes. Uh, and, and Barbara and Susan both have their sort of faces hidden uh, while Ian and the Doctor are like, we're going to stare you down, cat. Don't look in its eyes, ladies, whatever you do. Because um, it's going to know you're women. Therefore, weaker. No, that that is like it's that was weird. Okay, let's 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 go right into that one. Yeah. One here, he, yeah. There's that weird. You know, I can overlook the '60s sexism for the, you know, I can correct for the time at the very least. Mm-hmm. But they never really say why not. Like why mm-hmm. why why shouldn't I look into this cat's eyes? Even though I, I guess they're trying to imply that cats and animal dominance. You know, t- it tends to be like if you look at an animal in the eyes, they tend to think you're trying to dominate them and will respond with a sort of a flight or fight instinct. And often it's fight. Yeah, uh, but it's not true with cats. It's true with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not absolutely not true. That, for sure. Cats, yeah, if you've ever tried to do a staring contest with a cat, you know that they actually, they're actually just really good at it. They enjoy it. And mm-hmm. first of all, they don't get 
aggressive because of it. Um, and and in fact, what they'll do if if they actually like you is is kind of blink slowly in your direction. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, so that's a weird one. Uh, the other <laughs> thing, the thing I just really find unrealistic here, having been an owner of two cats, hmm. is that that the cat would even walk away. Cats freaking love to play with Damn live straight. things that are smaller than them. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they're not hunters in the way that, you know, they, they want to kill mice or, I don't even know if they really want to kill mice or eat them so that much, but they love to play with mice. They love to corner them. Yep. Uh, bugs too, bigger bugs. My, my cats will like, I, ever since I got my cats, I haven't had any bug problems in my basement because they will constantly just yep. stomp them. And the cats just love to do that with smaller creatures. They just they do. That's do. why they're, they're very good to have around. Absolutely. Uh, the fact that this cat would just walk away from these four people. <laughs> that are just kind of hanging out that just would never happen it would just never happen the cat would it's totally one of the least realistic things uh, um which uh, by by the way we, we should talk about the while we're on the subject of the cat and then we never have to mention the cat again um <laughs> it's the most the famous cat, cat in doctor who right his name was sammy the, the, the character's name was sammy like the cat it was given a name the cat was supposed to die so one of the first things we should say uh, I just mentioned it briefly. This was supposed to be four episodes. The right. the last two episodes were edited into one almost at the last minute. And one of the mm-hmm. scenes that was removed was that the cat dies. The cat dies oh, because of the, the uh, because of the insecticide. And uh, that was that would be much more effective. I mean, perhaps maybe a little bit too far for the younger viewers. Um, to, to yeah. see the cat die, but also it was in terms of scale. It doesn't make quite as much sense as the bugs dying, right? Like, like the cat would probably take a little longer to die. You would think as a higher, as a bigger, higher, level. right? Which is why he dies in in episode four. Um, while while they're in the in the lab in the right. in the shed, yeah, I guess, I guess. You, you you have to presume it's been exposed to the yes. pesticide for quite some time. Yeah, okay. and and this Fair is enough. actually so uh, you know we'll get into this a bit later, but 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 this uh, story was inspired by Silent Spring, um, Rachel yes. Carson's book, and you know every creature that Rachel Carson writes about is is mentioned here: so ants, flies, uh, earthworms. I believe it may also be in there, but uh, but but cats. There's the, there are chapters on cats. And how they were affected uh, mm. and died, you know, because they they would step an insecticide and lick their paws, and and that would kill them. Uh, well, so even, even absent that, I mean, mm. I, I know that's I, I haven't read it or the, the mm. details of it. I know it's obviously one of the the most important works in, mm-hmm. with regard to finding the problems with DDT and other other insecticides. Um, but the idea of it just sort of going up the food chain, which is always yes. a huge issue. Like, you know, the more these these tiny creatures eat things in trace amounts, you know, those get built up the more bigger creatures. And then by the time it gets to humans, yep. you know, this is the whole thing with mercury, et cetera. Um, it's actually quite dangerous. Um, yeah. So uh, get, emphasizing that point would be pretty good. In fact, this is again. I think well, I don't want to jump ahead to our rating system, but <laughs> the Doctor Who as education mm-hmm. aspect to this episode is it might be like the the most unsubtle example of that <laughs> that we have done so far because uh, mm-hmm. it's all over this one. Uh, you know, the cat eyes thing, notwithstanding. Right, right. Um, so, so that's the cat, and and let me just move on to the the other cliffhanger and the problem with it, which is basically that it's reshot between. Um, 
you know, episodes two and three. So the, the, the sink being pulled at the, it, it, you know, the water is pulled right. at the end of episode two and you think that the doctor and Susan are going to drown. Um, but then it's reshot for the beginning of episode three. And it's basically that the sink is still full and they, yeah. they climb out of it before more water is poured in because the other guy has to wash his hands. So, they're doing that thing that um, you know we sort of criticised uh, uh, the, the the Mark of the Rani for. Remember at the end of episode one of Mark of the Rani, you know, there's, yeah, there's, where he's, he's, he's on the uh, gurney or something. He's on the gurney going into the mine shaft, and suddenly, you know, we introduce at the beginning of episode two a a new thing we didn't see to stop the the, the transit of the gurney uh, into the mine shaft. So it's you know that that's not good cliffhanger behavior. Uh, it's not good now. It's not good then. It wasn't good. You know, people hated it in Saturday morning serials when they pulled things like that. So it just it's it's awful not because you know cliffhanger is bloke washes his hands uh it's also <laughs> awful because it's reshot um and i also yeah, want to say mm-hmm. that it's awful because there were much better cliffhangers in the original 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 script as this was developed and Do tell. Um, i didn't read about this so this may well have been the story that followed an unearthly child um, or wow, okay. as it was first okay. known in 1963, uh, the episode An Unearthly Child, of course, we now know is followed by 100,000 BC, 10,000 BC. I forget how many zeros are, are before the BC. But <laughs> <laughs> An Unearthly Child was originally known as Nothing at the End of the Lane. Um, and then it was going to be followed by this uh, four-parter called The Giants. Um, and what actually happened in that version is that uh, the TARDIS team is miniaturized inside Coal Hill School. Ah, okay. So uh, we 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 Here. all know we all know the TARDIS team of Cliff, Sue, and Lola, which is how they were known then. Later became Ian, uh, Susan. Who, who was originally just a pupil, not the doctor's granddaughter, and uh, and yeah, Barbara. So Barbara was originally Lola McGovern, uh, which I love. <laughs> Lola McGovern. What Maybe an odd choice, it, though. Right? I mean, honestly, like looking back, it, it's so incongruous with what we know as Doctor Who to mm. have this miniaturized episode as like the first thing. Um, and what a different show might have resulted if that had been the right? case, right? Because it's like. Now we know it's like, oh, all of time and space, everywhere and anywhere. But it is like you, you think about if they had made that choice, like mm. that's a that's just kind of weird sci-fi show, you know. Which that, is what they were yeah. they were sort of going for, right? Is you know, it's the original remit by Sidney Newman, mm. uh the you know, the Canadian um producer who moved to the BBC with you know the remit to do more exciting drama. And this was one of them. Uh, you know, exciting drama with a little bit of education. That was his idea. Um, and it was one of the ideas that he thought about uh, was, was let's, you know, have one story where they get miniaturized. Well, I read that they basically rejected this idea from the first season because they mm-hmm. thought it didn't really, it wasn't conducive to good character development. Yes. So yeah. it doesn't work as your second story after An Unearthly Child. Because I guess yeah. you're just kind of too caught up in the sort of mm. situational stuff that you get with like big things versus little things, et cetera, mm. and the giant bugs. Yeah, and that that was so, so they they had a writer named C. E. Weber do do a spec script basically on on this. Um, 
you know, the Cornhill School miniaturization. And and while it was sort of it became clear to Sidney Newman when he read that that there's no character development here. This is actually the wrong thing to do straight away. But it does have Thank better <laughs> better yes. Thank you, Canada. Um it does have better uh, cliffhangers and get better plot points. The, the the first two cliffhangers would have rolled around. They they pupils basically at the school preparing to kill them. One one with a an evil boy sharpening uh, his his compass, mm-hmm. you know his compass point, uh, and then there's a girl who puts them in a matchbox. Uh, so yeah, it could have been kind of interesting, but one thing that that version of the script did do that this does not is you have more interaction between the giant world and the tiny world. Right. right. Don't really have here in there. They, they try to get under a a school microscope. Um, Oh, I see. Okay. So they could be seen and they, uh, instead of doing the whole thing with the telephone, now they try and lift up the telephone receiver again. Yeah. It's something we didn't really talk about in the summary. Uh, they they get inside. <laughs> Stop criticizing my summary. I feel bad about it, right? <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do it. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, uh, but go. they 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 get inside a giant microphone. Um, you know, oh, so they can actually speak. So they can actually people. speak. They, yeah, they yeah. they can be played back at slow speed. I think was the idea. Yeah, well, that that is a good. But I like I like those moments, and it does, that's mm. kind of what this this thing is missing. If it, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm um, yeah, it's too bad they didn't at least take those elements from it. Obviously, that it, it would have been ruinous for the whole show if they had done this uh, as as the first episode. But that bit, like, here's here's uh, not to get too far on a tangent, but the, uh, a story that did that right, in my view, mm-hmm. is the new Godzilla movie, the one that uh. from about. 10 years ago now maybe a little longer um where it's almost two movies there's the sort of macro scale movie of godzilla and the the micro scale of of our human characters and there's no real sort of interaction between the two at least conscious interaction until the very end Hmm. where the monsters sort of realize the specific human who's sort of working against them and uh that's a great moment when when the two sort of mo- worlds sort of sort of become more aware of each other on that level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that the fact that it's sort of lacking here is definitely a strike against. Um, yeah, it's almost two like, two different dramas, basically. Well, yeah. I'm also like I'm I'm surprised that in both versions, the the finished version or the four episode version of this, there there was no thought of using the insect, the fly. Hmm. as the cliffhanger because that to me is like the moment uh because it's it's they, they've had this careful fair for i mean not careful but they've had, had foreshadowing and an escalation of their interactions with the insects first there's the dead earthworm then the dead ants then the just died bee it actually just hmm. falls right in front of them Mm-hmm. which is a little bit scary and then it's the live fly very much a live fly that's a great reveal and 
you when you see it like you're kind of it's there's enough there and it's moving yeah it's a little robot-y but it's like you know it's it's 1964 and you're kind of right in the mind of Barbara, like, holy crap, like, what do mm. I do? Do I do I run? I mean, there's no way I could outrun this thing. Do I just stare at it? Do I back away slowly? Like, it's like the equivalent of a bear attack at this scale. And it's terrifying because we're all freaked out of bugs. Everyone, every human mm-hmm. is hardwired to be creeped out by these things, uh, which is why, you know, creature features that feature giant bugs yeah. are, are, tend to fascinate us. And that that, to me, is kind of the money shot in a lot of ways. And so... It sort of happens about halfway through episode two, I think. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised they didn't didn't use that as a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, especially because we had the the original movie of the Fly came out in 1958, so you right. know we they would have known at this point that Fly is absolutely terrifying, and you can do a lot with it in, in with that terror inside science fiction. And I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, miniaturization, we, we should also mention, was was sort of on a lot of people's minds. Um, we had uh, the movie Fantastic Voyage mm-hmm. coming up a few years later. I guess it's, you know, because everything was being miniaturized in terms of, uh, you know, computers and electronics. It was the, the 60s was definitely the, the age of sudden miniaturization of everything. I, I guess it's natural to sort of extend that to humans as well, right? Yeah, and I kind of think I, I like your opinion on this. Do you think that has fallen out of fashion? Because uh, to some extent, I think it never has fallen out of fashion because we're all mm. kind of fascinated with the micro world on some level. Certainly more in fashion than the '60s and '70s. Because if you think about um, well, comic books, you know, Ant Man, and mm-hmm. you know, I've got my. By the way, I've got my. <laughs> yes, my, my Giant Man is a Giant Man in this one, but uh, the the Hank Pym shirt here uh, to, to pay homage to the whole idea. Ant-Man is still a thing, but obviously, you know, the current version in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is based on those comics from the 60s and 70s. So I don't know if it counts, but it is It is still kind of interesting. But then you, you also had Inner Space. You remember that movie from the oh, yeah. big hit with uh, Dennis Quaid, Martin Short? Yes. Yeah, that was so almost was a remake like, of Fantastic Voyage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So this miniaturization thing comes back again and again in pop culture. Do you think it is still fresh can still be fresh or is it is this all just sort of reverberating 60s 70s nostalgia that we're, we're still experiencing i think it can still be fresh i think that um one of the things that has uh, exemplified that is the show doctor who because mm-hmm. of course and we've seen a lot of it we saw we saw it in carnival of monsters you know that was all yeah. miniaturized in the miniscope so you know whereas this you know Planet Giants proved that you, you know, it's it's sort of static and kind of doesn't really work when you when you introduce it. You know, you sort of try to make the uh, everyday a little bit creepy by miniaturizing people. You know, nice on paper didn't actually work in practice. But in Doctor Who history, it's happened again and again. You've got Carnival Monsters. You've got Flatline. You've oh, got Flatline. Uh, yes. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah, right? I mean, it's not a lot of it, but it, the, the the little things they do were so cool. Yeah, and even the the invisible enemy, which we uh, mm-hmm. the last story that we visited before we went random in in pull to open history, you know the and doctor you, himself you, is miniaturized. And you you mentioned it as you were racking your brain for Dalek episodes in the uh, cold open here, but into I, the Dalek, into the Dalek, yeah, yeah, that was that was a big deal. And of course, you know, in terms of miniaturizing people, we we've got to give a shout out to the tissue compression eliminator. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. This is yeah, you could bit. almost see this as an earlier version of that. So miniaturization works and it's creepy. And if you do it right, you know, it's 
Yeah, it's 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 right up, and you know the the power of the doctor showed us. I, I think that the most tissue compression elimination in one scene, right, with the all of the the world's seismologists uh, that the master has arrayed before him. Um, yeah. You know, so it still it still works. It's still creepy. There's a couple things I got to pick out a little bit here, mm-hmm. um, just to get him out of the way. One uh, in terms of the miniaturization. One is that then the the doctor and Susan at one point climb up a corroded pipe to get up to that sink. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that just seems like, hold on a second. Are you guys like Herculean <laughs> mountain climbers? Because you're climbing up a vertical pipe. You'd be essentially like, like I think that just sounded like, okay, let's get uh, there's mountain climbing on Gallifrey is like this, you know, a, a Olympic sport that they just have to be great at. That sounds really hard to me. <laughs> Um, so that took me a little bit out of the whole pipe thing. Uh, yeah, maybe so when, maybe William Hartnell is actually an action doctor off screen, you know, yeah. and that's, that's why he's always uh, exhausted when we see him. So, so by the time we got to where they were evading the water and the cliffhanger, it didn't bother me as much, mostly because I was already taken out of that a bit. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, clearly you're just you're just doing things, you know, yep. like like just to do them, and even no matter how realistic or or unrealistic they are isn't it interesting the things that they chose to do like the 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 matchbox the the matches the whole thing with matches is like very much of its era like you know you just we don't really carry around matchboxes anymore um you know you can still get them i mean i I, like i still use them when i'm like camping and things like that so but also i feel like that this 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 uh story should come with a uh, with a warning for kids you know, please do not try this at home. Do not turn on a gas tap and then stick an aerosol can in front of it. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> you wouldn't have. You just wouldn't be allowed to show that today because there would be too many, too much fears of, of copycats and getting sued. And, you know, uh, yeah, and the true. doctor is he's kind of a pyromaniac here. He is. He is. Sorry, I, I just I remembered I didn't get to my second thing I wanted to pick out on the miniaturization, mm. which mm. was the notepad scene. Yes. You know, where they like, oh, we're on top of the desk and we're all, we got to decipher this notepad and figure out what it means. And <laughs> it was one of those things where I think the the script, the shooting script and what they were doing on screen, like the scale of the set. They, it was the right hand didn't quite know what the left hand was doing. Yeah. Was go all the way over there and read that out. And you go over there and read that out. And it's like, well, it's, we could see it's a, it's a formula. It's a, it goes, it's a formula. Duh. <laughs> like you gotta just stand over it because what they built is something you can just stand over and plainly see it's a formula. It uh, could have been, it could have been so much worse. That was one of the things they cut when they squashed episodes mm-hmm. three and four together was long, montage sequence of them walking up and down this notepaper and, yeah. and reading stuff out to the doctor when yeah you're absolutely right the the, the set has uh, <laughs> kind of negated that and this is something we see a lot in classic who that the costume design or the set is not really fully understanding what the script was going for and mm-hmm. i guess there isn't enough uh, control being exerted by yeah. the uh, by the producers over the whole process uh, but yeah, that's definitely an example of it. But yeah, back but, to the yeah. old doctor being a pyro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a <laughs> Pretty bit. much. He's very much like, ooh, they're gonna like he, he it's his plan, right? To basically turn on the gas and yes. and blow things up. And he, he they kind of stayed at 
watch it happen i think because he wants to stay and watch it happen <laughs> yeah but this this may explain why why the doctor uh loves ace so much and his uh, seventh incarnation uh you know ace is a bit of a pyro and loves blowing stuff up and the doctor may recognize his his younger self his william hartnell self and her because of course he does it in the romans as well which we've yeah visited. Yeah, yeah burns down old, Rome. Maybe that wasn't so accidental after all. Mm-hmm, Burning mm-hmm. down stuff left and right. Maybe this is why he had to leave Gallifrey. Uh, you know, we we haven't heard of all the the pyromania that he uh, indulged in as a kid. Yeah. But I would say, like, I'm I'm kind of glad the show even tr- tried this early on, and mm-hmm. I think you know, as a as an exercise. Like I don't think there's anything really wrong with the special effects, judging it mm. from the standards of the time, right? Like I yeah. think they did fine. Um, I, I think it, where this story falls down isn't that they tried to shrink people and try to sell it. I think they they did their best there, and it actually like it's not bad. Um, it's really that the story itself just is is it, they're, they're kind of it's preachy, obviously. Like there, mm-hmm. there's such a black and white here with. Forrester, if we want to talk about sort of this weird sort of gangster cops and robbers plot they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously there's a very, very unsubtle environmental message to it, but Forrester is just so bad. He is, he's so black and white. He is this guy who's just willing to murder people for this insecticide that is going to murder people <laughs> if it ever gets released. And, yeah. uh, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's so clearly, um, there's 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 zero gray to this one that uh, you're just kind of okay. I get it. They're going to do this thing um, again. It was the '60s. It's Doctor Who's a little different. Things were were less shades of gray. Uh, and the, so the fact that he pulls out this this teeny tiny little snub nosed uh, handgun, right? To, you know that that's so or something. yeah, that's so a '60s thing. And you you hear the the audio sting from Dudley Simpson. By the way, this. Dudley Simpson's first incidental music of like, you know, that kind of, uh Oh, he just pulled out a gun. And it's just so comical today. Like, you know, that this guy obviously looks like a villain pulling out a very sixties, fifties villain kind of gun and threatening the good guy with it. Uh, you'll half expect him to be like, yeah, just go in the house. She, I'm going to change your report. See, um, <laughs> you wise guy. Yeah, you think you can get away with my DDT? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> DN6. DN6, yeah, sorry. Keep yeah. forgetting the name. Thinly Veiled, uh, <laughs> there, I believe is what they call that. So we mentioned the music briefly. This was actually the first story to feature the work, I guess, of Dudley Simpson yep, as the yep. composer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I was watching this with my kids, as I always do, and they noticed that the style of music in terms of the instruments and that sort of musical cue you mentioned was similar to revenge of the Cybermen, right? Oh. Which was, I, I think was, that was Carrie Blyton who was very, very distinctive style. Carrie Blyton. Like in other words, like I think what they're, what they noticed was that they were noticing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I don't know if the style is really that comparable, but it is like one of these things where the cues are meant to sort of, they're meant to be intrusive and they're meant to sort of really hammer home points. But they did note that, especially Jack, that it worked in Revenge of the Cybermen and that didn't work here. They, they, they noticed it, but they didn't like it as much. Yeah. It's kind of condescending. It's kind of like, hey, this yeah, is a kid's please. show. Uh, you know, we're going to have bouncy kids music. Um, 
which just doesn't doesn't really work with Doctor Who. But you know, it's 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 an interesting that this happens with a new show. You find out what it can do and what it can't do. Um, but to not to skip over the environmental message here, because I I do want to highlight no, that because um, you know we we've been to many uh, environmental message stories here on Pull to Open. Yep. Uh, the Green Death, Inferno, um, Fury from the it's, Deep. It, Fury from the Deep. Well, it, it's it's interesting because it's something we normally associate with the Pertwee era, right? With Barry Letts mm-hmm. and, you know, the sort of environmental consciousness of the 70s. And it's definitely more prominent then. But here we have the first, basically the first environmental message in Doctor Who, unless you count, like, you know, the Daleks being kind of anti-nuclear war and <laughs> this is what gonna it's gonna happen, mm-hmm. folks, if you have an irradiated landscape. But it's not like as 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 in your face as this is. And yeah. it was consciously inspired by Silent Spring when they gave it to a new writer. Uh so uh Louis Marx was was the second writer on this, you know, the the guy who did the treatment involving Coal School was taken off the project, Louis Marx comes on. He'd just been reading about Silent Spring, but it had only just been released in the UK in nineteen sixty-three. Um, said, of course, it was a huge sensation in the US. You know, there were TV documentaries on it and congressional hearings, and the chemical industry was pushing back really hard. Uh, Rachel Carson sadly died of, of cancer in 1964, about six months before Planet of Giants aired. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of sad that, um, that she didn't live to see it, but just an example of how it kind of permeated, but also an example of like Dr. Who being a little bit too contemporary as it, mm. as it was also in, uh, uh, you know, with, with, with trout and, and the weed and the North sea oil in fury from the deep. Like it, it, it looks a bit dated now. Right. Yeah, it does for sure. It's funny that they, this is sort of the first trip back to contemporary earth for Ian and Barbara and mm-hmm. it's their shrunk. You know, yep. I like I kind of like that idea, like within the show, that we can't we just can't get this right. Um, they sort of retcon this a little bit in a short story. So, funnily mm-hmm. enough, there is a sequel to it. Uh, <laughs> not that anyone was dying to see one, but there is a sequel <laughs> called House of Giants, which was ah. a short story and actually puts it in the unit era. So, interesting. Sort of, I guess maybe when uh, just just when switchboard operators were going out of style perhaps mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god the switchboard operator yeah it's so so but yeah uh, i hear you on the environmental stuff like mm-hmm. I, again i think this is it's it's kind of okay for the 60s and sort of this unsubtle message and a lot of mm-hmm. doctor who was kind of that way and a lot of it a lot of entertainment was kind of that way um and i i you know not to get too speculative but i know there we were talking about uh, rtd in the last episode a bit and i know he's talked a bit about um some stuff he did with regard to the end of the world and we haven't done that episode yet but like mm. he, he mentioned sort of global warming the doctor yeah. does sorry in the, in the in a thing and i think that's been sort of criticized uh anyway not to talk too much about that but i do feel like rtd maybe as part of a thing he wants to do in his new versions of Doctor Who, he's going to have something that addresses that hmm. uh, more, uh, more. I don't know, more head on, more head on, and and more. Mm-hmm. And I I would say I hope he doesn't look to this episode for that. <laughs> is what I'm going to say because the, the, it is just too black and white. I think the the problem is Forrester is so bad, yeah, and there's nothing made of 
it, it is like even if it's a flawed case, there there's no case for this thing at all. Like honestly, Forrester is a psycho, clearly, and he doesn't get like he doesn't even care that he's going to kill himself basically with this thing. And we'll get to it in the um, in the what if the evil plot had succeeded. Hmm. Um, but it's like I I think there are shades of gray in environmental issues, right? If you're actually ta- talking about them in a real world way, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. need to you need to you need to steel man things a little bit more if you're really going to have a, a successful show. And the fact that's kind of why I think this one doesn't really um, deliver. It, it just, I can't yeah. get into it too much. Cause it's just, I know I, I, I get it. I get it from episode yeah. one. <laughs> you get it. And yet it's uh, at the same time, I'm going to take issue that it's, it's, I, I would say it almost needs to be more unsubtle. Uh, there, there was a cut scene where Hartnell talks about how he can't stand by and watch a whole planet die. And you need something like that where you, it's sort of clear that the scale of this potential tragedy is the entire planet. Um, and that's, it's kind of a, interesting because it's a very unheartened thing to say. You know, we sort of think of him as the doctor who doesn't care too much and, and does run away. Um, so that's what, that's what I have to say on that. I wanted to run through a few more things really brief, briefly, kind of a lightning round. Um, uh, one is the fact that uh, Barbara is sick in the show. Uh, like she's, you know, she has some of the pesticide on her hands and, and, and gets sick. And, you know, that's, we can, we can take issue with that, how that's resolved, but also actually behind the scenes, William Russell was the one who was sick. Uh, Barbara was just acting. William Russell was actually sick during this. And like, they, they had to taxi him home, like uh, immediately after they finished taping the last episode. Uh, so kind of makes a mockery of all this sort of, you know, the yeah. men being strong and the women kind of, uh, being weak in this, in this story. Um, and then I, I just also briefly wanted to flag the, the submarine klaxon that we hear from the TARDIS, uh, at all the right. beginning, which is sort of the first, uh, first iteration of the cloister yeah. bell, I guess. How much cooler were the cloister yes. bell would have been there? They should yeah. retcon it, man. There should be a special right. edition of planet of giants. I would actually, I would actually go for that retcon the cloister bell into it well one more thing i want to zero in on before we um get to the four questions is uh the a lot of what sort of happens in episode two and three hinges on barbara's decision to not tell anyone that she's touching mm. chemicals mm-hmm. which when you look at it now just seems so incomprehensible like why why wouldn't you just say something um how i just curious did that did that bother you as much as it, it sort of bothers me now? I, I think oh, totally. yeah. even correcting for 60s behavior, which I, I admit certainly people behaved differently back then, right? The, um, I think a show that really emphasizes this extremely well is Mad Men. As one of a big fan of Mad Men because it sort of mm. gets like how society has changed. And I like accurate sort of depictions of attitudes yes. uh, of different times. So I think I think even correcting for that, though, you know, uh, what, like, <laughs> what are you doing? I, and I, I, all I can discern is that they're kind of trying to send a message to kids. Like you don't, don't keep a secret like this. Cause look yeah. what happens. I don't know. What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you that. And, and kids should take away the message that if you do touch pesticides, definitely tell someone. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's definitely the 60s. It's also a pretty, very British attitude of like, Oh no, don't mind me. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm fine. I just need a little rest here. Uh, so I kind of I maybe bought it a little bit more than you did because of because in many ways that attitude is still prevalent in the UK. 
of like you know minimizing illness step uh, upper lip exactly and, and and we can see william russell himself powering through <laughs> through his sickness i never would have guessed i had no yeah, idea yeah, until you yeah. told me all right chris i think it might be time i think it's time to cut to the four questions to doomsday Yes, sorry. (laughs) Question. Uh, Why did the randomizer take us here? What do you think? Well, I I think the randomizer just loves environmental messages. The (laughs) the randomizer may be even more of a hippie than I am. Um, It's not going to take us to arachnids (laughs) in the UK next. Yes. Oh, God. I guess we're going to do it at some point. It is now you said that. Um, Yeah. Speaking of Uh, (laughs) uh, bugs and creature features, right? I would also suggest that maybe the randomizer saw Power of the Doctor and wanted more William Russell. Hey, I like that. Mm, mm-hmm. Who would? Right? <laughs> I mean, it's so cool that he was in that. And he's, what, 90 now? It's so crazy to more. see. 97. I think 97. he might have been 96 when he actually filmed it. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so wild. And he's still yes. in it. And it, you know, to see that and then go straight to this, it was that was quite the timey-wimey moment. Yeah, I'm just going to take credit because I'd said take us to big beasts. (laughs) (laughs) You did like that. That's it. This is it. Yeah, you know the extent to which beasts below was also an environmental message of you know be nice to whales, y'all. This was uh, (laughs) you know don't don't spray chemicals, y'all. Yeah, yeah. So I think we got it. Randomizers nailed it. All right. Second question: What if the evil plot had succeeded? Well. If the evil plot succeeds and and DN six spreads across the planet and starts killing people off, mm-hmm. um, and and the Doctor hasn't been able to save us, then I think there's only one person on the planet who can. Um, she's Canadian. Huh. Her name is Joni Mitchell. You know, <laughs> <laughs> purveyor of the most popular song to contain the words DDTs um, in Big Yellow Taxi, of course. Mm. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away those DDTs now. I think that Joni is going to have to release that song early and yeah, uh, yeah. or or late or re-release it, depending on which which dating timeline we're on, on for this. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, that's that's my what if the evil plot succeeded. Joni Mitchell has to save the planet. Wow. I think, yeah, that we'd have to lead on Clara <laughs> to, uh, you know. <laughs> One of their splinters, which is of course the next question to to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was um, zeroing in on. I, I'm really interested to hear that that cut line because yeah, I think the stakes here are a little understated. And if you think about it, so what, we, here's how that would succeed: the gang doesn't get the phone off the hook. The cops mm-hmm. aren't a little bit doesn't pique the suspicions of the phone operator. The cops don't arrest Forrester, and therefore. His plot succeeds and DNC is approved for release. Or sorry, DN6. And what that does is just catastrophic damage to the ecology based on what they said. It's like, quote unquote, everlasting, kills all insect life, um, Mm. which would probably, before they could do anything about it, there'd be more famine and death uh, all over. So you you kind of have this weakened earth now, assuming it's it's wide-scale enough. That uh, you get, it's either either a weakened Earth or one that's a little more dystopian. Right. You know, pick your invasion or pick your bad guy who takes advantage of that situation. So we kind of get turn left like forty or fifty years early. Yeah. Um, 
That would be interesting. I kind of like yeah, that idea. Trouble. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just reminded me that I have an issue with the, the everlasting thing, which is just like, that's not a thing. In, in science, stuff doesn't last forever. Second law of, law of thermodynamics, it would break down eventually. Maybe it's millions of years. Maybe it's like strontium-90 or something. But, um, but yeah, no, I... Uh, it's it's really hard to see the through line on this, which is really why you need Hartnell to say something like that. It's hard to see how this affects the entire planet, unless you know <laughs> all of the militaries of the Earth immediately spray the entire agricultural land of the planet with DN six. Yeah. They're so convinced by Forrester, and there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. He doesn't look like an evil guy, so they completely believe him. They they believe this hastily rewritten report. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. that he might as well have scratched out parts and crayon and added stuff. I mean, it just <laughs> really, it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's like that, that time that Trump did the hurricane with the, like he, he extended the line yeah. of the hurricane to prove himself right. That's basically Forrester's plan here. Like, oh, I'm just going to write in, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm yeah. going to cross out a line and be like, ignore this. <laughs> yeah, like Change terrible, my mind. Uh, terrible impersonation over the phone that even, <laughs> even in the crackly auto operators earpiece, <laughs> Super analog. That's not the same guy. What yeah. was <laughs> his? Yeah, his evil plot is to put a handkerchief over over the receiver when he talks on the phone. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yes. terrible as the plot succeeds, highly unlikely it does. <laughs> even if they don't get the phone off. So mm. uh, I think we can at least throw that in. All right. Um, third question: Where is the Clara Splinter here? You know, I she could be all over the place. Like she could be, she could be distracting the cat. Maybe that would explain the cat, the cat plot hole. She's <laughs> she's like in a staring contest with the cat, and then you know, kind of throws some kibble to make it run away, <laughs> <laughs> or releases a bunch of moths from a matchbox, and the cat's like, "Ooh, moths! Much more interesting." Nice. Yeah, I, I'm going with that. That's way better. All I could think of, I, I don't know why I didn't think of the cat. That's a great, that's a great one. She poked the cat away somehow. Um, maybe, maybe she was uh, a mail carrier. I don't know. But I, I only thought she was like a friend of the the operator, maybe mm-hmm. who, who was like, hmm, might want to listen closer. Like maybe, maybe either either directly on that call or just generally as her. Is gossiping <laughs> with her and makes her more suspicious overall. But she's kind of like. I guess yeah. operators did that, but it, I always feel like yep. when I hear about operators listening into calls, like that's a little like weird. <laughs> well, this was the thing about, about party lines, right? You know, yeah. you not just have operators listening in, but also like you know, neighbors would often be on the same line. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Hilda definitely doesn't get enough respect in this episode because she basically brings the whole evil plot crashing down so good on you hilda the telephone operator yeah all righty uh now final the final question is this episode a dalek which is the rating we have for good episodes is it an ogron which is the rating we have for perhaps not so good episodes a professor hater which is a not so good episode but at least we learn something or a Viscount Banger. Do I even have to say? No. <laughs> Viscount Banger. Obviously, that was... Definitely not. Not a Viscount Banger. No. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say, I, I was thinking this is a tiny Ogron. 
But no, I think <laughs> the more we talk through it, the more I think this is a, a teeny, teeny, tiny miniaturized professor hater. Yeah, um, I mean, because I, we I had, did, I, we did learn, uh, we learned from it. I, I think I'm with you there. I, I had a tough time deciding, honestly, because I got to say, like, I this episode probably more than other 60s episodes requires some correction for the time and hmm. um, both in the storytelling effects and everything. So I was, I was willing, and I do remember watching it way back in the day and um, enjoying the idea. Yes. You know, with the bugs and stuff, but I don't think it ever quite delivers even, even, even by the standards of the time in terms of storytelling and, uh, again, like I don't know why you wouldn't use that fly as like your cliffhanger mm. or do a little more with it. Again, like you know, you don't a better action sequence is perhaps too much to expect. Even when you look years later at the Green Death, it's not like they did a whole hell of a lot more <laughs> with, with their um, fly. Yeah, and this is definitely a more impressive fly. Yeah, so uh, it's kind, of, kind of like on its own terms, it's almost a, a Dalek, um, it, albeit a very small Dalek. Um, but I, I think ultimately, by it's ultimately a hater. You know, you, it you kind of is. Kind of yeah, a little something. Um, you you learn what Doctor but, Who shouldn't be, which is sort of our yeah. you know our criteria for the Professor hater. Like it, it's it's instrumental in sort of giving us an example of why the what doesn't work in a Doctor Who context. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think we, we sort of have that all over the place here. Yeah, yeah totally agreed. All right, sir. All right. It's time to enlarge this podcast back to regular size and <laughs> figure out where we are going next. Hopefully Indeed. We'll get rid of some toxins in our bloodstream <laughs> at that time. Uh, it's time to activate the randomizer. The randomizer, Indeed. of course, as listeners know, is consists of two parts: the pull to open codex, which is a list, a spreadsheet, a newly upgraded spreadsheet that has every single episode of the television series Doctor Who in sequential order all the way from uh, an unearthly child to the power of the doctor it's 302 episodes and that's right well, 302 discrete codex, stories and the other part of the codex is random.org the other part of the randomizer is <laughs> yes <laughs> random.org which is using atmospheric noise rather than computer algorithms to truly generate randomness and the uh, the method by which we think the doctor may be communicating with us. So I have the minimum number of one and the maximum number of three hundred and two plugged into random.org. And uh, once we have issued challenges to the randomizer, mm-hmm. I will then hit the generate button and we will find out where we're going next. Uh, so Pete, do you do you have any challenges? Sure. I'm going to do triple Yahtzee and I'm going to say, <laughs> just take us to Arachnids of the UK already. Just do it. Let's just get it out of the way. I, I feel like we got to get away, get the bug features all out of the way. And we've already done the Green Death. Now we've done yes. of the Giants. I've more I, bugs come to mind except for uh, that Whitaker outing. So let's just do it. Let's just, let's get it over with. More bugs is spelled M-O-A-R. Um, I'm going to um, recycle a point I was going to mention during the show, but I'm going to use it as a challenge. So Planet of the Giants may be the weakest opening for any Doctor Who season because it was, so you know, and they, they, they sort of knew it at the time, right? They wanted Dalek Invasion of Earth, which comes next, to be the season opener, but they couldn't because Susan leaves at the end of that. So, uh, so they're kind of locked into using this. So... Take us to the best season opener. 
I don't know what that is, but like, just take us to a a story one in a season, and we will presume that it is your choice for best season opener. Nice, I like it. That's going to be cool. I can't wait to see the randomizer respond to you in four to eight weeks' time. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. In four to eight business days, the randomizer will get back to us. Uh, Shall we roll these cosmic dice? Let's do it. Give me a let's countdown. Do it in five, four, three, two, one. Allons-y. 189. I think we're in oh, new who. who. We are definitely in new who. Oh, dude. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Don't blink. <gasps> we got there. Oh my goodness. Wow. Oh, man. Oh my goodness. Wow. No. I'm going to have my eyes propped open on matchstocks the next week. Weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually recently watched it. Ooh. Um, yeah. Uh, my daughter, it was just my daughter and I, which was oh, interesting because it's so scary. My son, a while to get the courage to watch this one. He huh. did it a, a year or two ago, but um, my daughter was into it and this was sort of during the Halloween season. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It was a really fun one to watch with her. And uh, this is, this will be cool. I, I'm, I'm going to watch it again for the podcast and, and indeed more, but indeed. it's like, um, uh, what's this is it? I mean, this is Blink. It's legendary. I mean, come on. It's, it, <laughs> it is. I mean, what is there left to say about Blink? You know, it is, it, yeah. it is definitely the one that I show people who are not into Doctor Who to try to get them into Doctor Who. Yeah. Right. You know, Dalek, Dalek is good for some things, but Blink like Dalek masterclass in, uh, revealing a large amount of information in a short space of time, masterclass yeah. in TV writing. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. I mean, we've we've both written about it. I'm sure yep. uh, I wrote about it briefly as one of the must watches when I was compiling. Mm-hmm. Like, though, anyone who wanted to get up to speed on Doctor Who, what are the episodes you have? This is before the 50th anniversary special. What are the episodes you have to watch? And blink. I, how could I leave it off? I mean, like, yep. it's not just a great episode of Doctor Who. It's just a great episode of television. Uh, Absolutely. Wow. Okay. This will be. I. This is. This will be something. Okay, folks. <laughs> well. All right. We're gonna blink out of this podcast. I, I can't even. It's just not worthy. It's not. I shouldn't even try, guys. We're gonna leave this podcast when we're gonna get mentally prepared for our next one, which will be blink. And Oof, remember, this yeah. is a podcast. So please, if you have not done it yet. Go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and share the podcast with your friends. Can tell them, hey, they're going to talk about Blake next time. That's right. Listen, um, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening to us. Those really do help the show. Follow us on social. Pull to open on TikTok. Pull to open 63 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, pull to open on <laughs> Pull on, to open on, anything. I don't know. We're, and we're anything. We're either pull to open or pull That's to it. open 63. Sorry. To, we're, yeah. We're, youtube.com slash bolt to open i really yeah, have a I, list of these when i do them uh, i just want to say to any weeping angels out there please leave us a review because no one is looking at you right now i'm sh- i'm sure it's okay you can you can move you can move now move towards apple podcasts leave us a review thanks weeping angels uh, don't look at each other we'll see you next time <laughs>